Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Open your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 27. Then I'd like you to look up here as we continue our series titled Jacob, A Journey of Transformation. A journey of transformation. I'm so thankful that God starts where we are and he takes us into fulfillment and blessing, joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm so thankful today that there are all of these examples in the Bible of the amazing, gracious, powerful transforming love of Jesus. How many are thankful that God is in the transformation business? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this is an amazing story of real people, a real guy, real family with real issues. It's an amazing story of how God chose this young man since he was in his mother's womb and he just changed him. And he turned him into a prophet. This is a, just a powerful, powerful expression of God's love and grace. And if you were not here last week, I want to encourage you. I don't often tell people to listen to my sermons. But I really believe that this series is from the Lord for our church. And uh, last week we were actually in Genesis chapter 25. That was the first message in the series, and we, we talked about last week that these two brothers, Jacob and Esau, they not only reflected two nations, but they also reflected two natures, the nature of the flesh and the nature of the spirit. And the Lord said that he would make, he would support and help anyone who chose to live according to the nature of the spirit. God blesses us when we walk in the spirit. The secret to being transformed by the power of God is to let his spirit come inside of us and work through us and to walk in the spirit throughout our lives. If we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, transformation is sure to come. But now here's the thing. What I love about the Bible is how true and how honest it is. The Bible is not, um, it, this is not a book that was written in Hollywood, okay? This tells the real deal. And what we're going to do now is, is look at a family that had major problems and major issues. Now, I'm going to read an entire chapter. It's 40 verses or so. And I'm going to read these 40 verses because I have to. There's no way to teach this this um, chapter without reading the whole thing, at least to the best light that I have. And I want to tell you a couple of things before we start to read. First of all, from Genesis 25 all the way to, uh, just, to just Genesis 27, in, that, in those two chapters, a lot of time has been covered. Okay, it starts out two babies in 25, now in 27, the babies have grown into men. In fact, one of the brothers, Esau, has already married two wives. Okay, he already has two wives. That was legal in the Old Testament, okay. 
And then the favoritism that we talked about, okay, the favoritism that we talked about last week, the mother favoring one and the father favoring another son, it has now fully hardened in this home. And this family, which has been dysfunctional, is about to finally fracture, okay? What you're about to see is the fracturing of a family, and many of us have been part of, a part of that, and it's really because of the flesh. Isaac, the father, in the flesh, is pulling against the will of God for the older son, Esau, and then Rebekah, the mother, in the flesh, she walks in unbelief and deceit for Jacob, the younger son, okay? And what we're going to see played out in this family is very important, and I want to I begin by laying this truth out. Here's what we're going to see played out. This is an irrefutable principle. Ready? Here's what it is. It's that living in the flesh always develops into dysfunction. Okay? Living in the flesh always, everyone say always, always develops into dysfunction. If you choose to live your life in the flesh, if you choose to deny the blessings and the opportunities that God offers us in the spirit, from his spirit. When you live in the flesh, it always develops into dysfunction. There is no other end. No one starts in the flesh and reaps from the flesh the blessings of the spirit. It doesn't really work like that. Okay? You have to yield. Sooner or later, you got to yield to the spirit. And so it's important that we understand that. And the title of the message today is The Roots of Our Dysfunction. The Roots of Our Dysfunction. And uh, what we're, what we're going to read these verses and we're, we have to realize that we have to deal with our dysfunction in order to experience our transformation. If you don't deal with your dysfunction, there's no transformation. How many know... God deals with our issues. He just does. That's the way it is. You know, we got issues. And, uh, but how many are thankful today that even though we have issues, God wants to help us with all of our issues and bring amazing transformation to our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you right now, this is a heavy, heavy message. Okay? This is a heavy message. And this message really, uh, uh, um, this one speaks it straight. So we've been passing out $20 bills for people to say amen throughout the meeting. <laughs> so don't forget, okay? Because it might get quiet in here. Now as we begin to read, okay, these verses, um, I want you to notice something. The chapter begins with the father. His name is Isaac. And I want you to notice that the Bible mentions all five of the physical, all five senses in this man's life. Okay? Okay, all of the senses, the physical senses, the Bible focuses on that because this dad, this was a dysfunctional home, and this dad was really, and unfortunately, he was a man of the senses. So let's go ahead and begin to read uh, uh, Genesis 27, beginning with verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, 
He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and, and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt uh, some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food, there's another one, I like, and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening, this is the wife, as Isaac spoke to his son Esau, and when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. Now, I want you to notice that he didn't say, Mom, we're lying. You know why? It's because this family had issues. The mother's literally teaching the son to lie. And you kind of get the impression that they've been here before. Okay? What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a, rather than a blessing. His mother said to my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. Now look up here for a second. Why is she doing this? She's doing this in part because in chapter 25 there was a prophecy over the sons that this blessing was going to go to the younger even though culturally it's supposed to go to the older. But how many know Christ is above culture? Christ is above culture, okay? There are certain things that are more important than being Cuban and Puerto Rican, right? Christ above culture, okay? Even though totones are good, there's still things that are bigger than that, right? Totones are those fried, fried uh, platanos, the plantains. Can't even say it in English. Help me stay in the spirit here, Lord. What verse was that? Verse 13. His mother said, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat uh, some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. And I want you to know over the next two or three sentences here, he lies at least five times. Okay? But it's no wonder because his mother was a liar. You see? 
And if you look in chapter 27, it really wasn't his mother who was the liar first. It was his father who was a liar. Okay? So this family had some real issues. It says, Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac who touched him and said, The voice, there's the ears, of Jacob. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son, even though it wasn't his son, okay, another one of the senses, is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up. And eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it before you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. Now why? Look, look at me for a second. Why is it that he indeed will be blessed? Here's why. It's because when God decides to put a blessing on someone's life, you see, when God makes a decision, there is no earthly force, there is no earthly power that can stop the blessing of God upon a person's life. How many would say amen? You see, God chooses us. And when you're chosen by God, if we go the way of the Spirit, nothing. There might be people in your life who've tried to put you down. There might be people in your life who are trying to block the blessing of God. But what God has decided over your life and mine, how many know? No one can stop the blessing of God. No one can stop that. Hallelujah. Very important for us to understand how valuable it is. To live in the spirit, you see, to choose in the spirit. Because here, even though his father wanted to bless the other one, he couldn't do it. Even his father, he couldn't do it. What verse was that here? 34. When Esau heard, thank you, his father's words, he burst out. 
with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? Because Jacob means one to grasp. In that day, it was like to call someone a Jacob would say, This dude is a con, a con man. This guy's a flimflam man. He said, He's just like his name. That's what he said about Jacob, which, by the way, he was. That's the mystery of this passage. The mystery of this passage, okay, and it's the good news of this passage for us, is that God doesn't choose perfect people. How many know he chooses people with issues? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many got a few issues that you're happy God can work with? Amazing, amazing, amazing. He was a Jacob, okay. He says, he says, uh, um, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. That was chapter 25. And now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all of his relatives uh, uh, his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you? My son, Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. Now here's, here's the, the, the unfolding. Look at me for a moment. Here's the unfolding of what I earlier said. When you look at Esau's life, Esau was a man of the flesh. He lived his whole life to be in the flesh. And in the end, if you choose to live in the flesh, see, a lot of Christians, you can actually be a Christian but live in the flesh. And a lot of times it's confusing because people serve, they, they, in, a, in a surfacey kind of way, they serve God. They go to church, you know, at least once in a blue moon or, or they, they do the cultural thing. They, they do the, the, the ob obligatory thing and they somehow go to church or someone drags them and they're like, oh, bless me, God. But it's not like that. You see? Because if you live in the flesh, the flesh cannot reap. This from the spirit. That's the whole moral of the story of these two brothers. Okay? God doesn't work with perfect people. Only Jesus was perfect. But we have to be people who are pursuing the spirit and not the flesh. This is a very sobering story. Almost finished here, says, his father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off of your neck because the flesh always says, spirit, get off of me. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told that her older son Esau had said, uh, what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, 
I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, here goes the stories again. I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will uh, not be worth living. And so here, brothers and sisters, we see a story of a very dysfunctional family. Okay, and yet even though this family was dysfunctional, we see the work of God to bring about transformation. There is incredible, the, this message, there, this passage of scripture has things that are very sobering. And yet at the same time, there are things that should excite us and cause us to rejoice. Because our God is a God of a second chance. Our God is a God who chooses us even though we mess up, even though there's a trickster inside of us. If we reach out for the blessings of heaven and if we forsake the issues of this world and the things of this world, surely he will bless his chosen people. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time, Lord. Lord, the song is so true. We can't live without you, God. And we want to surrender to you. We want to give everything to you today. And God, I pray, Lord, for this, this service now, for this, this, this time, oh God, in the service. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would shine your light in our hearts. I pray, oh God, that you would expose every root of dysfunction. Oh God, and that you would begin, oh Lord, your loving, your powerful work of transformation in our lives. We thank you today, Lord, that you're not intimidated by what's twisted up inside of us. Oh, God, nothing is too hard for you, God. So, God, bless this word, Lord. Let it go deep into the heart of every individual in this room. And, God, we pray that you would get glory and honor, Lord, from the work that you do in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. So what we're going to do now, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, is, is really unpack this issue of, of dysfunction. And um, um, it's an amazing, it's kind of an amazing thing because uh, um, uh, you, would, you would think that when it comes to the people of God, some people think the people of God are perfect how we got a prophet in the meeting here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So you, you would think that, that the people of God are perfect, but the people of God are not perfect. They're far from perfect. They, we all have issues. We're just people who open up our hearts to God. And this passage is teaching us some pretty powerful things. Here's the first thing. The first thing is that dysfunction is often rooted in our upbringing. Dysfunction is often rooted in our upbringing. Some people think that their twisted, crazy house is the only one. But how many know growing up in a twisted, crazy house is more common than you would think? How many would say, man, how many come from some twistedness? All right, come on, tell the truth and shame the devil for a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So look, it says now, 
uh, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke uh, to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, and the lying begins. And the lying begins. And so here it is. Here it is. In this house, in this house that is, that is part of the line of Christ. Okay, it, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This, 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 this family is part of the line of Christ. And even though it's part of the line of Christ, it had issues. Okay. And we need to know that beyond the shadow of a doubt that when you mix the fallen nature, when you mix the Adamic nature with a, with a, a, a if I could say this, a jacked up home, a jacked up upbringing, you get a mess. Okay, you get a mess. Things get, get crazy and twisted. Parents that are in the flesh raise up children that are in the flesh. Okay, isn't it crazy how some parents, they actually think that they can live like crazy, they can drink, smoke, curse, this and that, and then tell the kids don't do it and think that kids are not going to do it? The die, you know. How many know they're going to do it and twice as bad? You see, parents in the flesh raise up children in the flesh. Both Isaac and Rebekah were in the flesh. And because they were in the flesh, they raised up a dysfunctional home. Now, dysfunction in this, in this context is a pretty modern word, but it really describes an ancient issue. Okay, this is from the very beginning. So let's look at this word here. Dysfunction is the condition of having poor and unhealthy behaviors and attitudes within a group of people. Medically speaking, it is the state of being unable to function in a normal way. Okay, and so, so the condition of having poor and unhealthy behaviors and attitudes within a group of people or within a family. Now, generally speaking... A dysfunctional home is marked by two things. And here it is. Could you put that up? A dysfunctional home is marked by, first of all, a spiritually passive father. And secondly, an unsubmissive mother. This is when the 20 bucks kicks in, okay? So, so a dysfunctional home... Typically, again, now there are different variations to this, but for the most part, okay, this is the case. There's no getting around this, okay. The Bible reflects and depicts the realities of human nature better, clearer, okay, in, in, a, in, a truest sense, in the truest sense of the word. And so here it is. A spiritually passive father and an unsubmissive mother. A spiritually passive father can be traced all the way to the Garden of Eden with Adam. Adam was spiritually passive. He should have spoken up when she took the fruit and said, uh, uh, Eve, please put that down. The Lord said, don't eat from that tree. Put it down. He should have said, I'm not going to do that. But instead he followed her and his passivity wrecked everything. Okay? A spiritually passive father, okay, brings death to a home. That's the way it is. Now, I'm saying a spiritually passive father. I'm not saying a passive father alone. 
You see, some people think, well, I'm not a passive father. I get up and I go to work and I do this and I do that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a spiritually passive father. There's a difference between being in the spirit and in the flesh. And so this is something that we have to stop and scrutinize and take a real look at. Why is it? Why is it that a spiritually passive father, okay, will kill a home? Here's why. It's because the enemy of our soul is spiritually aggressive. And it is the role of man to stand up and meet him at the threshold and say, not in my house in the name of Jesus, Satan. Get out. That's the plan. The plan is for the man to say, we won't live like this in this house. We, we, for, we serve the Lord in this house. Oh, but what about my friends? My friend do this. Well, your friends don't live in this house. In this house, we honor God. We serve God. We glorify God. It's a big deal. So let's look at this for a second here. A spiritually passive man is marked by numerous things, but I'm just going to pick three. These are, I think, pretty huge. Number one, a spiritually passive father. And by the way, look at me for a second. I keep saying spiritually passive man because here's the truth. A spiritually passive man turns into a spiritually passive father. And I'm going to tell you ladies before I even go through this, okay, if you're single, Okay, don't marry a spiritual weakling. He can be nice. He can be good looking. You know, you could look at him and say, he's so fine. Right? <laughs> he could be all kinds of things. Okay? But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't marry a guy who you can't see with your own eyes. This guy is sold out to the Lord. Because it will impact your future. If you hitch your train to this guy, okay, there's no getting around it. And it impacts the children. It impacts everything. So let's look at this. Let's look at this very quickly. Number one, a spiritually passive father devalues the word of God in his life and in his home. And what that means is, is that this is the kind of guy that the Bible is really not a big deal in his life. Okay? He knows what's happening in sports or politics or all kinds of things way more than he knows what's going on in the Bible. You see, when you talk to him, you know, some guys, they come to church and look, I praise God that you come to church. Okay? But the Holy Spirit is a teacher. He's a helper, the Bible says. Any man that will just start day by day, the Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept. You don't have to read 49 chapters a day. Read one chapter a day. You just start little by little. Little by little, God will feed you. God will strengthen you. God will make you strong in him. But the man of God gives himself to the word of God, and everyone knows it. But in a home where the father is spiritually passive, he just, it's not that big of a deal, okay? How many know if there's one person, okay, that your Bible shouldn't be dusty, it's the man of the house. If you can 
go home and go. <laughs> I know we got some issues. Right? Secondly, a spiritually passive father demonstrates a greater call, a care for his earthly senses than his spiritual calling. In other words, what he wants, what his, you see, Isaac, get me some tasty food. All oh, the smell, all oh, the touch. He was a man of his senses. He was a man of appetites. You know, it's, it's incredible because when you compare Isaac to, let's say, Peter in the Bible, Peter was a guy with all kinds of flaws. But when the church started, right, this guy came into him in, in Acts chapter 5. A guy came in. He and his wife sold the house. And they, they lied and they said that they were going to, they said that the house was this price. But it really wasn't that price. They kept money back. They were telling a big lie. And the guy walks in and Peter says to him, hey, how much was the house? And the guy got such and such. And Peter says, what, what's wrong with you, bro? He says, when you, when you sold the house, wasn't it yours? Right? Okay, you could have given whatever you want. Why are you sitting here lying to us? Okay, you didn't lie to us. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You see, because there are things that can be discerned when a man is walking in the spirit. How many know a man can discern unholy, unspiritual things? But see, a, a, a spiritually passive, he dis demonstrates a greater care for his earthly senses than his spiritual calling. You know, it's amazing the hobbies that men take on. And because of these hobbies, they can't be in church. I got to be at the Cubs game. That really will bring you a lot of reward. <laughs> Think about all the things we chase. And you know what they are? They're nonsense. Okay? In the long run, they are absolute nonsense. Even a career can be nonsense if you put your career before God and your family. You see? And so now we might feel good because people, we walk into work and they go, look at the position he's attained. But if that's all you've attained in life and there's no spiritual blessing upon it, how many know it's nothing? It's nothing. And then here's the last thing. The last thing is, is that the, a spiritually passive father doesn't lean on grace and faith for his legacy. You see, God has a future for us. He has a plan for us, for our lives. And the man of the, man of the spirit, he, he waits on God and depends on God. And he leans on God. And he reaches for God. Okay, and he says, God, just I want the future for me and for my children and my grandchildren, God. Okay, I want my grandchildren to be able to say, my grandpa was a man of God. Was he perfect? No, there is no such thing as a perfect man. And praise God, I've been saying this all day, I tell my kids, you guys know I'm not perfect. Okay, the Bible doesn't say God rewards those who are spiritually perfect. No, the Bible says God rewards those who diligently seek him. As long as you seek the Lord and depend on the Lord. And so he leans on the grace of God.
for the future. But the man, there are certain people, they don't really care about their spiritual legacy. And I tell guys all the time, I said, look, you know, you know, I, I want to say this is a tough message and I, I, I want to clarify everybody who's been around here long enough and has heard me preach long enough. I have said that my, my the first couple years of my marriage were horrendous years. Okay. And they were horrendous because I didn't know how to walk in the spirit. I was in the flesh. Okay. And God had to deal with me. And show me how much I was in the flesh. Okay. And my wife may not be perfect, but God was showing me. Here's the interesting thing when you think about Rebecca. Listen, when, you, when Rebecca comes onto the scene, Rebecca comes across like an amazing woman of God. Right. And uh, 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 she was a woman of faith and did all of these things. And then after 40 years, right, with Isaac, she is a bold-faced liar and a manipulator. You see? And so, listen, I just want to say, there's no criticism. I'm not putting any man down. I have no right to put any man down. But this is the truth. And so, so we need to, the, the, the spiritually passive man has no care for the future. Where, the, where the, the man of God, the man of the spirit says, oh, Lord, you're my, let my days be numbered by you, God. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Now, okay, the other side of the roots of our dysfunction in our upbringing, and I, and I, and I want to just say in advance that I should get some points for courage for preaching this point right now, okay? The other side of it is, is an unsubmissive mother. Now, an unsubmissive mother... First of all, lives in fear more than faith. You might talk faith, might say faith and all that kind of stuff. But when push comes to shove and they get home, their life is dominated by fear. And when a woman chooses to live in fear, she makes horrendous decisions. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Can I get an Amen. A woman who's full of fear will rattle her husband, will, 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 will torment her husband, and, and in a lot of ways make him make horrendous decisions because she lives more in fear than in faith. Secondly, a, 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 an unsubmissive mother resorts to manipulation rather than waiting on God. You see, that's what Rebecca did. Rebecca heard the prophecy. She heard the promise from God. And you know what she decided? She decided that she had to help God out. You know what manipulation means? The word manipulation is, is, is a, the root of it is a Latin word. In Spanish, mani, man, hands are manos. In Latin, it's mani. Okay? And what, it, what manipulation means is to take something into your own hands. And to try to take control of it yourself. A woman gets afraid and instead of faith. And what she does is she takes things into her own hands instead of waiting upon God. And many, many a times I've, I've had to tell uh, uh, sisters who love God, I have to tell them, look, as long as you keep taking charge of your house, okay, the Lord is not going to deal with your husband. 
Because what if you keep putting your hands on things, well, whenever you put your hands on stuff, God takes his hands off. You see, so listen, listen, here's the counsel. The counsel is, well, if I don't fix that leak, okay, it will be like Noah. It'll be a flood in this house. He won't do anything. Well, listen, the Lord provided an ark for him, and he'll provide an ark for you. Let the flood come. And here's why. God knows how to put the pressure on a man. God knows. God knows how to press him. Okay? And when, a, when, when, when you go to the Lord and you say, Daddy, you see what he's doing, Daddy? I'm here, Lord. Okay? Well, anybody here who, who has daughters? You know, how do you know somebody messes with your daughter? They got some, some stuff to deal with, right? Same thing with the Heavenly Father. You see? But sometimes women rush in. They rush in and they take charge of things that they should go. That's not my calling. That's his calling. The funny thing is, is that men... When a man lives with a woman who controls everything, he always resents her. And in the end, she always resents him. Because she knows that, he shouldn't have been, that she shouldn't have been in charge. He should have been in charge. You know, it's the way it is. It's the truth. And see, and so then here's what it grows into. An unsubmissive, an unsubmissive mother. By the way, I want to give all the brothers kudos because I haven't heard one amen from any man. You guys are wise, wise, wise. <laughs> We're already ahead of the game in this room. So, praise God. So, okay, she justifies dishonor whenever she doesn't agree with her husband's course of action. This is, this is marriage 101, okay? Women believe, even Christian women, they believe that they should submit whenever they agree. How many know that's not submission? Submission is when you don't agree. You see, it's when you don't agree that you say, well, you're the head of the house, we'll live with it. I've spoken my peace, that's between you and God now. I know that's good pressure right there. <laughs> Amen. And listen, I want to I wanna pause here for a moment. We're going we're gonna to get to the end of this very quickly. But Pastor Jose, uh, um, who's, who's over here in and Darcy are over our marriage ministry. And they just finished a series called Intimacy in Marriage that Glorifies God. And, um, and I asked him, and I, I had them put one of the messages in particular on our website. It's called Unfinished Business. And if you're married or if you're thinking about getting married, I want to encourage you to go on our website and listen to this message. It talks about the sin patterns in our lives. And if we're going to have a healthy relationship, we have to deal with our unfinished business, unforgiveness, all sorts of stuff. How, how many know that we, we come into marriage and we bring baggage with us? And so just, I, want, I, I, I can't tell you enough what a blessing that is. And I want to encourage you that when we have these marriage events that you should go because they are very, very powerful. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so 
uh, uh, let's continue here. Let's continue here. Our upbringing, it can be so incredibly impacted because of dysfunction in the home. Now, the second thing that this passage of Scripture teaches us is that dysfunction thrives in denial. Let's say that together. Ready? Dysfunction thrives in denial. Before we read the verse, look at me. You ever wonder why certain things stay messed up? You're like, man, Lord, how come this situation doesn't change? You know why it is? It's because of denial. Look. It says, so he went and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. He thought that this was his older son. Okay. And he already knew that that's not what the Lord was blessing. The Lord was not blessing his son that way. Okay. His older son, the word of the Lord was the younger will serve the older. Now, if he had gone to God, maybe they would, the Lord would have worked something out differently, you see. But he knew in his heart of hearts, he knew this is the word of the Lord. But he was in denial. When we live in denial, it shuts off the grace of God and the power of God from being, bringing transformation. You see, to the very end, it's like, come on, bro. You know, how many know it's not by your smell that you determine who gets the blessing? The Spirit of the Lord determines that. It's the will of the Father who determines that. But he stayed in the flesh. He was like, look, this is what I'm going to do. This is the way I'm going to be. And because he stayed in it, look, denial led to anger in Esau. Okay, it led to anger in Esau, running in Jacob, paralysis in Isaac, and rebellion in Rebekah. All because of everyone, denial. So listen to me. Everybody look at me for a second. When you have the Lord, you don't ignore your problems. When you have the Lord, it doesn't matter how ugly it is, okay, it doesn't matter how dirty it is. It, you don't ignore your stuff. Denial leads to anger, paralysis, running, and rebellion. The amazing thing is, is that the door is open and waiting for us. You know, it's waiting for us. But if we live in denial, here's the key. If we live in denial... The flesh and denial will strip us of God's visitation and promise. Okay? So here it is. Flesh, spirit. Flesh, spirit. The flesh lives in denial. The flesh ignores the spiritual things. The spirit is different. See, Jacob, you're going to see, Jacob was a trickster. Jacob was a flim-flam man. He was a con artist. But he was going after God. 
And because he went after God, there was hope. The minute you turn to God, there's hope. Hallelujah, there's always hope because God is rich in mercy. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The minute you turn to him, here, here's the, the Bible says, come boldly to the throne room of grace. Okay, so there's this amazing invitation that you could be, you could have made a royal mess. That word boldly means this, open up, bring your nakedness to God. Literally, bring your nakedness to God. Say, God, here's who I am, here's what I've done. And he says, bring it to me. Yes, Lord, here's all my ugly flesh. And he says, bring it to me. I will pour mercy upon you, and I will wash you, and I will clean you over and over and over and over again. And I will start to give you grace, and my grace will change you. You can't change yourself, but my spirit is powerful. I will change you. The things you used to love, I'll, uh, uh, I'll make you hate. The things you used to hate, I'll make you love. How oh, we know the spirit of God is able to do that? Hallelujah. Let's praise him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Incredible. Our, our church is filled, filled, filled with amazing stories of transformation. Our church has X everything. X everything. You know why? Because there's always room at the cross. Aren't you thankful that there's room at the cross? Hallelujah. He's always inviting us. He's always, always waiting for us. Pour out his mercy and grace, which brings me to the last point. If the musicians would come and we're going to close the meeting now. Listen, dysfunction can be reversed. Everyone say that with me. Dysfunction can be reversed. Dysfunction can be reversed by the promise, power, and plan of God. Okay? In the flesh, no hope. In the spirit, you invite Jesus Christ into your heart and you start to serve him and all of a sudden there's this promise, this plan, this power made available to us. Okay, the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Okay, plans to bless you, not to harm you, plans to prosper you. Okay, you are his workmanship. The, the ladies just had a meeting where they were quoting out of Ephesians. You are God's masterpiece. And he's already created good works for you to do. Works that he's going to help you to do. And then he's going to reward you for doing the thing he's already prepared for you. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's incredible. It's incredible what God has. So here is Jacob. He just stole two blessings, but from the time that he was young, he was after the blessing, after the blessing. And look, you might be after the blessing, but that's why it's a journey of transformation. Because you might be after a blessing, but you have to learn how to yield. And the upcoming weeks we'll be talking about how this amazing change took place in his life. But look at what God says. He says, may God give you, look at the prophecy, may God give you heaven's due and earth's richness. 
and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. May the sons of your mother bow down to you. Bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed. And may those who bless you be blessed. Now you see this last line. We're almost done here. You see this last line? This last line was a, a, a kind of restatement of what he said to his, to his grandfather, Abraham. God said to Father Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. Those who curse you, I will curse. Those who bless you, I will bless. And because he was in the line, he chose to be in the line of faith. If you're here today, you choose to be in the line of faith. How many know that line didn't get cut off? How many know we're part of Abraham? We're part of Jacob. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're part of all of that. Praise be to the living God. He's so amazing. He's so wonderful. And so listen, even though Jacob was just as dysfunctional as Esau, here's what he did. He aligned himself by faith with God's promise, God's power, and God's plan. That's what he did. He aligned himself. God can stand with you today, okay? God can stand with you today. And you could be there in, a, in just a, a heap of, of like, oh, man, Lord, I messed up. doesn't matter. God can stand with you today and say, this is my son. This is my daughter. Okay? You know why you're here? Because the Spirit of the Lord wants you to hear this for yourself. Okay? You see how God spoke a word to our brother? He speaks that word in a sense to all of us. He says, this is my son. Okay, this is my daughter, and I will bless them. Are they perfect? No, but I already took care of that. I sent my son to die. He shed his blood. When I look at them, they are clean, clean, clean. Hallelujah. And from today, from today, he can look down the future of your life, say, Christian, it doesn't matter where you come from. I decided to bless you, and I will bless you, and the heaven, the blessings of heaven are going to fall upon your life. Hallelujah. That's the God we serve. He's a wonderful, mighty, matchless Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's no one like the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's rich in mercy. He delights to show mercy. Who's the God like our God? When we're our worst, he's our best. He's his best. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So listen, we're almost done here. The promise, the power of God, the plan of God is greater than your guilt and shame. Do you know some people they live with shame. Okay, I was actually reading about this. Certain people who have personality disorders, you know, a lot of time what's driving them is shame. And even though they don't show it, deep down inside, something happened in their life or they made a choice in their life and they feel incredible shame. And then shame paralyzes everything about them. You know, and meanwhile, Jesus died for your shame. 
Jesus died so that there would be no one who could put you down and say you're less than. Because whom the Son sets free, hallelujah, is free indeed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throw off the guilt and the shame. You say, you don't know about my secrets. You don't understand. I'm a liar. We're all liars. We're all liars. But his merciful truth is amazing. The Bible says the love of God covers a multitude of sin. Not one sin, a multitude of sin. That's the kind of God we serve today. You see? Oh, think about the Father right now. The Bible says the Holy Spirit hovers over the waters. Do you know that the Spirit is hovering over this building right now? And he's saying, would you release your shame and your guilt to me? How long are you going to live with this? Some people live in fear. And they're bound by fear. Meanwhile, if God be for us, who could be against us? You're like, but you don't understand. I learned fear since I was a child. It's just part of my root system. God will uproot that thing. He will rip that out by his mighty power and put something new. He'll put faith in your heart. God is able to do that because he's so wonderful. That's the kind of God that he is. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's the last, last thing on this. It's your hurt. Hurt paralyzes people, you know. But Jesus was hurt on the cross. The Bible says that by his stripes we are what? Healed. Jesus wants to heal us. Don't let your past and your hurt, don't let it be your dysfunction forever. But it starts by us coming boldly to him. Listen, roots are powerful but they are not permanent. They're not permanent. And you might say, but you don't understand how this has impacted me. God can bring about amazing change. Let's lift our hands to him. Father, we thank you today that you are the resurrection and the life, oh God. Father, you are the author and the creator of all things. Lord, you knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And oh God, we thank you that even in the midst of our dysfunction, you are the God of love and the God of mercy, oh God. We thank you that the blood of Jesus breaks every curse and breaks every cycle, oh God. Lord, we thank you today at this altar. Lord, that things that have been passed down from mothers and fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers have been passed down. We thank you right now for tearing down those strongholds in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you for taking the beautiful, wonderful acts of your word and the beautiful acts of your promise and cutting out those roots that have been going into deep places. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are present right now, and we thank you for bringing about transformation. Oh, Lord, you are not a man that you should lie. You are not a respecter of persons, oh God. Lord, every breathing soul that you have created, this promise is for them, oh God. 
and we thank you that you are able to uproot these deep areas of dysfunction, Lord. And God, we thank you for not only breaking the cycle and breaking dysfunction, but we also thank you that you are the God who brings about the divine replacement, oh God. We thank you you are taking men and you are making them not passive men, but active men, oh God, active about the work of the Lord. We thank you that you are taking women who do not want to submit to the plan and the will of God, and you are giving them the grace that they need to submit under the mighty hand of the Lord today. And oh God, we thank you that your hand is not too short to save. You are not only able, but we believe that you are willing and you are even moving right now, answering every one of our requests, Lord Jesus. So we thank you today. We thank you for the fresh grace from, the, from heaven, for all of our hearts and all of our lives. And we thank you that you truly are the Lord of the promise. And we receive the promise today that you receive us as we are. We thank you for your mercy today. We thank you for your love today. We thank you for your unconditional acceptance today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. God, I pray, Lord, that this moment would not be broken even though we're going to leave the building. I pray that this would be a day when your people seek your face. I thank you, Lord, that we leave here with the promise that he who began the good work, us, work in us will carry it on to completion. And I thank you, Lord, that your favor and your blessing is upon every heart and every life. Release your people in your joy and in your strength. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. Come on, let's praise God for his goodness and his kindness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah.